And I was just really interested in how physical movement could help uh, relieve pain or injury. And I just did tons of research. I dedicated myself to doing just every training I could find, reading lots of books, just looking into that information. It is January 25th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 28 of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. What's going on, everybody? Sam Rothstein here, acting principal clarinet with the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and host of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode from a few weeks ago with Richie Hawley. I really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on orchestral etiquette, which comes from that document that he created oh, about 10 years ago now. It was really fascinating to talk with him about that. There's definitely something in that episode for everyone, so make sure to check it out and also be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform while you are doing so. If you haven't had a chance yet to check out our new YouTube videos, you can find the Candid Clarinetist via the YouTube search function or on our website, CandidClarinetistPodcast.com. I'm making a goal to achieve 1,000 YouTube subscribers by the end of the year, so I would really appreciate it if everyone would head over to the YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. It is completely free to do so, and while you're there, you can take a look at my latest video where I compare different metal ligature platings for the Banad traditional ligature. Additionally, I post video recordings for the podcast episodes on YouTube, so if you want a more visual component to the podcast, you can find all of the archive recordings on my channel. I would love to hear from all of my loyal listeners on the podcast, so make sure to like, comment, and subscribe while you are visiting the channel. Today, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Kimberly Hankins to the podcast. She is the founder of The Aligned Musician, which helps musicians use yoga and breathwork, um, excuse me, and breathwork, amongst other systems, to help musicians avoid pain and injury. But I'm going to let her talk a little bit more about this because she can undoubtedly do it more justice than I just did. So, Kimberly, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. And it's nice to have a, uh, we'll get into this a little later, but it's nice to have a fellow podcaster on the podcast as well. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super fun. So I, I want to know what first got you interested in yoga and more specifically becoming an instructor? Because I know it's quite an involved process. Uh, so maybe you can dig into that a little bit. Sure. So Yoga was really connected to my own musician's wellness journey. Uh, while I was an undergrad, I was applying for various different grad school auditions. I had my recitals coming up. Uh, I had a lot of performances going on and I am the kind of person that, uh, I just practice and practice and practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what happened was one day I was practicing and I just had this shooting pain uh, in my left shoulder and I wasn't able to hold my viola up anymore. And uh, I was really taken aback by that, kind of freaked out, as you might expect. And I ended up going to the health center on campus. I saw a medical professional there who told me I had tendonitis and that I might consider, you know, not playing viola for at least three months and maybe considering a different career path. And I wasn't willing to take that as an answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I probably could have gone and seen another medical professional, but I 
uh, felt very isolated and alone at the time. Um, this was back in the late 2000s. And um, especially back then, uh, the environment within my music school at the time uh, was very much about not speaking about musicians' wellness issues. If you had pain while playing, that might speak to not having good technique or some kind of judgment about my ability as a musician. And so I kept it really quiet. And then I was online looking for ways to kind of move through that tension uh, and that pain that I was dealing with. And I stumbled across a website talking about how yoga could help uh, undo the symptoms of tendonitis. And I was really skeptical, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Why not? Ended up falling in love with it, found this beautiful community. And uh, I know this is very atypical for tendonitis, but I was able to overcome that pain and that injury and get back to playing a lot faster than they had initially told me. And so that really stuck with me for a long time. This idea that just moving your body in a different way than what you're normally doing in your everyday life can provide some sort of healing or at least speed up your healing process. So that really, really fascinated me. I went on to uh, get a Pilates certification. Well, I didn't complete the certification. I just went through the training um, when I was at Indiana University. And while I was there, I took a postural alignment class with an Alexander Technique teacher. Um, and I was just really interested in how physical movement could help uh, relieve pain or injury. And I just did tons of research. I dedicated myself to doing just every training I could find, um, reading lots of books, just looking into that information and, uh, decided that I wanted to go in the direction of teaching yoga. And at the time I was really into, uh, what's called booty yoga. And it's a combination of what's modern vinyasa and Kundalini and some other practices. And so I went and I got my 200 hour in that. And can, sorry just, to interrupt you. I, I, I don't oh, mean sure. to, but um, can you explain that what, what that means, the 200 hour? Because I hear that all. I mean, I, I go to a gym oh, and sure. there's a yoga component and they're like, we're doing our 200 hour teach you training. And I'm like, that sounds fun. What is that? <laughs> so in the United States, we have what's called the Yoga Alliance. And uh, if you want to be a yoga teacher and work at a gym or at a yoga studio, you have to be certified through them. And uh, they require as like an introductory uh, training that you do it and complete a 200 hour training. Uh, so those 200 hours include basic functional anatomy, asana, which is the physical practice of yoga, uh, Sanskrit, which is the language, the ancient Indian language in which a lot of this yogic information has been written down and passed down. Um, some trainings also include yogic philosophy, and it's my hope that many uh, trainings incorporate that, although it's not really so much of a requirement. And the 200-hour trainings can really vary um, in terms of what's focused on. So the one that I went through was very focused on the physical practice, and uh, it was really focused on anatomy and uh, asana. So 
Cool. Yeah, that's kind of my background. I'm actually going through a 300 hour right now, which is like the next level up from a 200 hour. And it's much more focused on yogic philosophy and Ayurveda, which is the science of yoga. So, and uh, for the 300 hour, is that just 100 additional hours or is it an additional 300 hours? Is that what it is? It's an additional 300 hours. Uh, okay. So then I would be able to register as a 500 hour yoga teacher. Got it. So that's that's where the 500 for... comes through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> this all makes sense now. Perfect. Um, so I want to go back to one thing that you said earlier, which was that there's this stigma involved with injury while playing. And I think you'll talk to myself or you or really any of our colleagues that are our age. And we've all dealt with something at some point in our careers, whether it was when we were a student or when we're working as a professional or even earlier in life in high school. So I had my first playing related injury was when I was in high school. And it's always been an issue for me, which is uh, with clarinet, uh, the right hand bears the weight of the instrument. And so I've always had trouble holding the instrument up. And so I played with the neck strap and stuff like that. And it got really bad at some points where I had to like stop playing. And this happened, it flared up again when I was in college, when I was a sophomore in college. And I remember um, there was a, well, there's this fantastic doctor. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but uh, her name is, uh, I believe Alice, or no, not Alice. I can't remember her first name. But it was, her last name was Branfenbrenner. She was like the preeminent like musician related injury doctor. And she was in Chicago, which was great because I was right there. Um, and I had seen her before and I was doing a chamber music, uh, coaching and the piano teacher noticed that I was struggling and she was asking me about it. And I was like, yeah, I just, I've always had this pain and, but I can't afford not to play. And she said, no, 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 you can't afford to play, which always really stuck with me. Cause I think that, um, you know, there is this stigma where it's like, okay, whatever, you're just doing something wrong and you need to just push through it or whatever, but you're really causing yourself more long-term damage by, you know, exacerbating the problem and continuing to injure whatever it is that you're injuring. And so I, I think it's, it's fantastic that you're, that you experienced it yourself and you found a way to kind of like solve it in a more holistic way. I mean, it's, it's not really holistic. It's, well, it kind of is, it's, but it's a functional way, I suppose. Um, so can you sort of talk about how that uh, influenced, like your music background influence is your yoga practice and what you focus on, you know, maybe in your, your practice or what you teach others, uh, your clients and whatnot? Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, dealing with pain and dealing with injury as a musician, it's, oh, it could be so hard because we we're in this profession where it's really encouraged to practice as much as possible. And I don't know if you share this experience, but I've been told by my professors before that I need to be practicing a minimum of four to six hours a day. And when you think about that, it's like, what does that really mean four to six hours a day? Like what does orchestra counts? Like, does that include breaks? Does that include score study? Like, what does that actually mean. And I, I, I believe that each of us need to figure out what that means for us. And, uh, you know, music is also this tradition where it's passed down teacher to student, and with someone's anatomy, they may have longer arms and they may be taller, they may be shorter. They may have, uh, with wind instruments, they may just have different anatomy between their soft palate, their hard palate, their armature. And 
we don't really think about these little changes, especially when we're teaching, we're starting to teach someone who's new to music. We're just worried about them being able to make a good sound. And when we have this practice that's being taught teacher to student, teacher to student over hundreds of years, and it's not required to learn anything about anatomy, kinesiology, anything, or injury prevention, certain things can compound over time. And so what I see the most is that there are there are what I, I refer to as two different types of people. There are people who, and I, and I love to make this analogy of video games because I used to be a gamer and I can right. relate to it a lot. Yeah, I'm sure I'll understand your references then. <laughs> yeah. There are those of us that when we're playing a video game and maybe we're trying to beat a level or trying to beat a boss and we can't quite beat that level. We're just not there yet. Some of us will calmly put down the controller, maybe go make some tea, get a snack. They might even go back to an earlier saved point in the game and try to work their way through. And then there are others of us who <laughs> might throw the controller down, get really frustrated, or we might try harder. We might engage every single muscle in our upper body because it's like, you know what? If I just try harder and I focus a little bit harder, I might be able to pass this level. And we do it enough to where it's worked in the past. Maybe it's not worked every single time. Maybe it's only worked once. But some part of your con subconscious mind is like, hey, we tried that. It worked. Let's try it again. Mm -hmm. And so you may not even consciously be aware that you have that response. And so the reason why I feel yoga is one of the most beautiful practices is because it has this you know, functional anatomy, physical component to it. And there's so many benefits to it that I could literally talk about for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you mention but, your, your top three benefits then to you is just say like me, like I do yoga, you know, maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, like what benefits would I see from doing yoga a little more frequently? It, um, well, it can help to calm the mind, uh, deepen your levels of meditation. And it can also just help you feel more ease, more aware in your body. Mm. But beyond those benefits, that idea of being able to consciously be aware of that first moment when tension starts to arise in your body. So being able to completely unwind that automatic response to stimuli, that initial reaction that we have where we might want to tense up, Yoga teaches us to realize before we even begin tension in the body to notice that some shift is happening. And that level of awareness is something that I feel musicians can benefit a lot from. Because if we're playing on stage or we're practicing in the practice room and we come across a passage that's more challenging, we may know the best technique. We may have you know, the most ease in our body, we may have done yoga or other practices in the past, and we feel like we can play with ease. But being able to identify and notice when the very, very tiny amounts of tension start to arise in the body, I feel that above anything else is the most valuable practice and tool that we can take into our lives. 
Yeah, that's terrific. Um, makes me want to practice yoga more <laughs> than I do. <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting. They met, and of course, you know, I, I like like I just explained, I don't do yoga that often, but it's really fascinating how unaware I am of my own self, uh, my physical self, because you know we'll be in, you know, let's just take downward dog, for example. And what's the uh, what's the yoga term for that? Oh, Aramukha Svanasana. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and the instructor will say something like, um, you know, relax your shoulders and let your head fall through your shoulders. And I will, and, and while I'm doing it, I would have thought that I was going as far as I could, you know? And then all of a sudden that one cue and I'm like, whoa, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, like all this stuff that I didn't realize I even had tension, you know, all those places, you're just so much more aware of like the minimal places that you have, that you hold this tension. And I think that's a really, really cool part that I've experienced, um, with doing yoga. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that there's different ways to approach your yoga practice too. I think in a lot of modern vinyasa and modern yoga classes, you know, we might step into a room or now like <laughs> go on zoom and, <laughs> and watch everyone. And we're like, Hey, I want to look like that. I want my dancer pose to look exactly like their dancer pose, regardless of what my body looks like, regardless of what their body looks like. And, uh, it can be so easy to want to push yourself into looking like that or being in that certain pose. And I think that there's a lot of parallels to music. We can hear someone play, we can watch someone perform and think to ourselves like, wow, I want to force myself to fit that mold. But in reality, everybody's anatomy is so different and it may not be physically possible for a wide variety of reasons to ever achieve a pose in the same way as somebody else. And actually, yoga isn't even about the physical poses either. Mm -hmm. um, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras in book two, uh, number, you know, Sutra 46, he says, stira sukham asanam, which means that Every physical pose in yoga should be from a place of steadiness, of strength, and of ease. And so if you're pushing yourself past your own physical limits, if you don't feel like this is the easiest thing in the world, then maybe you're not, <laughs> you know, exploring yeah. the full potential of your yoga practice. That's, that's so um, cool. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, one other thing I really love about yoga, too, is like, I love that it's called a practice. You know, it's not called a like a workout because, you know, they don't give you a goal. You kind of just go through a class and some days you can do some things and some days you can't do them. But that's all about your practice. And it's about like aiming to just try to be a little bit better. And some days maybe you're not better. And that's okay, too, because it's this ever evolving thing. And man, talk about parallels to music like you know, it's very Sisyphusian, you know, it's like you, you, you can try your hardest to push the rock up the mountain, but there's going to be this gravitational pull that's pushing against you. And so that's, that's what you want to do in music too, is like some days you just don't have it. Like, you know, perfect being this, the, the candid clarinetist recently, I've had a lot of trouble with articulation in a very specific part of the instrument. And you know, I, I've gotten frustrated by it, but I've also been a little bit at ease to be like, okay, well, for some reason, something must have changed in my anatomy or something, or I have some sort of mental block and I just have to kind of work around it. And that's part of my practice. It's not like, 
I'm all of a sudden worse, you know? So I think that there's a lot of parallels that musicians can draw to yoga in terms of the practice of it and the discipline. Oh, absolutely. And I, I also believe that every single day that when we wake up, we're a new person physically, mentally, emotionally. And if you're not addressing that, you know, if you're addressing your clarinet playing or whatever instrument you play with the same technique, the same approach as you did yesterday, then you might be missing a huge opportunity for building self-awareness. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I'm already loving this conversation. This is great. <laughs> um, so let's talk about yourself a little bit in your business, um, the aligned musician. So I, the reason I found you was on Instagram and, and I don't know if you were recommended to me through a hashtag or something, but I found you, I was like, Oh, this is cool. She's, you know, a violist, a musician. And, and she, she has this, uh, you have an incredible Instagram page and very engaging. And I really, really like it a lot. So can you talk about what kinds of things that you offer, um, to uh, your clients and, and what kind of things that, uh, that you can do for people? Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've been building my Instagram over the last few years. Uh, I started, mm, I started teaching yoga for musicians at Arizona state university about two years ago. And it's a really funny story. I actually was teaching vinyasa and other styles of yoga. And I was getting really bored with it. And I, uh, went to this yoga training and I left just feeling really inspired. Like I wanted to offer yoga for musicians because I feel like we often get asked to do so much. We have so many classes, so many things that we're preparing for. And there's often little to no resources for, uh, reconnecting to ourselves, learning, you know, a deeper self sense of self-awareness, um, and even just doing some gentle movements to counteract the repetitive movements of playing our instruments. Uh, and so I was going to quit my job and teach a yoga class outside for musicians. And, uh, during my exit interview, they hired me to teach a yoga for musicians class on campus. And they got me a space to be able to do that. Uh, and so I really became inspired by the people who showed up for classes, by my colleagues, by my friends. Um, I really started doing yoga, as I said, as this way to heal myself and just as a really interesting thing that I love to research as a hobby. And that turned into uh, this practice of wanting to share knowledge of uh, people coming to me during class and telling me how they didn't want anyone to know that they were in a yoga for musicians class because they didn't want people to make fun of them. People coming up to me telling me how they were struggling with pain or injury and they felt like this was a safe space I had created and that I was someone that they trusted to talk to about it where they may not feel safe talking to their own teacher or their colleagues. And I just felt like this environment needs to change, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and so I started creating more content on my Instagram that was directed towards, uh, musicians. I started my podcast around that time. Um, I made some blog posts <laughs> and I just started, you know, whatever thoughts I had just trying to get them out there and sharing with people that like, Hey, it's normal <laughs> to yeah, right. be experiencing pain and injury. And actually some studies have been coming out that as many as 93% of musicians will suffer from some type of injury. And it's just like when so many people are dealing with it, why are we still ashamed to talk about it? Right. 
And I feel like the other 7% are lying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah. It's just at this point, it's like, if we're not addressing it, then I think we're not serving our communities. So I started offering some yoga classes online. I used to have a Patreon for a while. Um, and so these days I'm offering, uh, one-on-one yoga classes, one-on-one breathwork sessions, uh, and some donation-based yoga classes. I also have some group breathwork sessions and they're not just available to musicians, but they're available to everyone because I feel like these tools can really help everyone, especially now that people are on their computers more often, we're seated, we're typing, we're doing a lot of the same repetitive motions, honestly, that a lot of musicians do, even if you're not a musician. Um, at the same time, the musicians who have come to my classes have seen a huge benefit in practicing things like breath work, connecting to their bodies and practicing yoga. So I'm really excited to continue helping those communities. Um, And also I'm really passionate about trauma-informed language because I feel that so many of us in the music world have just been taught to face our challenges with this head-on approach. Um, And I think that, you know, finding some more compassionate ways to speak with our students and our colleagues can go a long way in terms of our own mental health. And uh, I also really want to continue uh, sharing resources. So when I'm not teaching or breathwork facilitating, I'm working on creating some free resources is what I'm really focused on now. So that, uh, so that musicians wellness can be something that's more accessible, at least in terms of research and understanding how to prevent injury. Well, that's very cool. And, um, I will provide a link to your, do you have a website? I'm assuming you have a website. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, thealignedmusician.com. Perfect. Yeah, so I'll provide a link to that in the episode description and everything. So make sure to check it out and uh, check out her Instagram, uh, The Aligned Musician. I think it's just at The Aligned Musician or at Aligned Musician. I'm not sure. You can find her. She's easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and that's that's great. And I love, uh, you know, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I loved the analogy of the video game where it's like some people just go head on and, and, and just keep working and keep working and keep working and trying to go through it. And I had a discussion with a former teacher of mine, Mallory Thompson, who's the director of bands at Northwestern. I was having trouble uh, just mentally and with my playing and everything. And I talked to her about it and she said, you know, sometimes like a lot of people try to go through the door and sometimes you can't go through the door. Sometimes you got to go around it or under it, or, you know, you have to wait for a few. And, and that really stuck with me and, and uh, to what you were talking about, where it's like, you can't just always face things head on and conquer it. You know, there's this whole culture of conquering your fear or conquering your problems. And sometimes you just have to be okay with your problems and find a way to work around them, you know, or work, work through them in a different way. It's not all about conquering and, and going through going forward. Absolutely. And I think too, that, you know, what is your goal when you practice? And I think that this can be something that musicians, you're like, you're welcome. Those listening to uh, journal this out, you know, ask yourself, what is my primary goal when I practice? What is my primary goal when I perform? And if your primary goal is to play in tune and get all the notes right at the sacrifice of your own physical well-being, then maybe ask yourself how sustainable that is. Right. Um, a lot of times when I work with my viola students or my violin students, I have them ask themselves, you know, what would this what would this sound like 
if you actually let go of needing it to sound a certain way? What if instead your primary concern was feeling just like this was the easiest thing in the world to play? Mm. And um, offering that range of exploration and not just you know, fitting this narrow definition of what something has to sound like or what correct technique is, but giving yourself permission and the freedom to really explore what the possibilities are for you. I think that's such a central thing and um, finding a way to play that is the truest expression of you, but is also so sustainable and um, I think much more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, so you, you've already listed some of them, but you have, you have quite an extensive list of like certifications. Can, so can you talk about like what, I mean, I guess you can list them all if you want, but like, how do you, uh, connecting to what the programs you offer, like how do you sort of inform yourself of, of whatever, you know, treat, I don't want to call it treatment plans, but, but you know, when you're working one-on-one with a client is, you know, they'll, they're, excuse me, they'll be talking to you about like their issues or whatever. How do you sort of go about, okay, this is maybe what they need. Like, how do you figure that out? It definitely depends on what the person's goals are. So if I'm working with somebody one-on-one with breath work, oftentimes they're really looking to let go of um, a certain emotion or stress or heaviness surrounding playing their instruments, or maybe they're dealing with anxiety, um, or just having a more uh, unregulated nervous system where they find themselves feeling like they're in a um, more activated state of nervous system arousal. So another way of mm-hmm. saying that is just feeling really stressed and anxious a lot of the time. Yep. I find that breath work um, has been something really effective for people. For those that are uh, wanting to have a sp- specific outcome physically, like maybe they're experiencing tightness in their shoulders or tightness in a specific part of their body. Uh, what I'll do is uh, I will take that person through a yoga class in which we focus a lot on counteracting their uh, specific muscular imbalances. So I know like over Zoom, it can be a little more difficult to determine what somebody's going through. But oftentimes just um, in the process of moving through a class and watching how uh, they're able to move through that yoga class, Mm -hmm. uh, I can often at least narrow it down to a few different things and offer that person tools for exploration moving forward. Um, And the most common thing I have to say for most musicians is we oftentimes have really weak upper back muscles. And we have really tight muscles on the front side of our body. And so, you know, (laughs) that's me. It's me too. It's everyone. And it's like, if you don't know anything about, uh, I mean, working out or fitness, or if you're just like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, a great place to start is looking up myofascial release or like self massage for your, uh, you know, the front side of your body, like your pec minor or anterior deltoid, and then looking up exercises for your upper back muscles, like your mid trapezius and your rhomboids, just as a starting point. Also serratus anterior strengthening exercises I feel are so important. And that 
could be its own yeah. <laughs> hour long lecture. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so when somebody calls you and says, Hey, I'm a clarinetist, do you immediately like, okay, they have this, 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 or is it mostly just like you diagnose via talking to them? Cause like you said, I mean, everyone's anatomy is different and everyone has different issues. I mean, I don't diagnose at all. Um, I just kind of try to notice any kinds of potential patterns that that person might be experiencing, um, and offer them tools for countering that specific, uh, anatomy or, um, common muscles that might be tight and common muscles that might be weak and just being humans, just because we're human beings, even if we're not a musician, there are certain muscles that in everyone are tight. And there are certain muscles that tend to be weak in everyone. And so even just basing it off of that knowledge with nothing else, there's a lot that you can do to improve your overall health for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, can you talk to, you mentioned this briefly, your podcast, and I mentioned it as well, but can you talk about like, so what, the, what kinds of things you talk about on your podcast and, you know, how often you release episodes and like, uh, you know, I'm assuming we can find you on all the, all the regular podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, all that, all that good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere podcasts are available. Um, so I started this podcast about a year ago, uh, like I said, because I was really just, you know, I was wanting to help end the stigma around musicians, wellness issues, and also mental health issues because they go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> physical issues are really mental issues too. There's no way that you can separate the mind and the body. And so I started out the first couple episodes of this last season are basically just me talking about various different things. And then uh, I started doing interviews with people, mostly because I wanted to um, I wanted to share specific musicians wellness journeys. I felt like that would be really inspiring for people that might be struggling and um may not feel comfortable talking to others about what they're going through. Just being able to hear stories about professional musicians who have experienced injury or chronic pain or, you know, mental health issues, face them in whatever way worked for them and then overcame them in their own way. And then going on to become amazing, incredible musicians and people, I think is really inspiring. So I'm always looking for um, musicians that might be interested in sharing their own wellness journeys so that it can inspire others and hopefully inspire others to prioritize their own wellness over, um, their music making. So, yeah. And that's a, you know, we, you mentioned this earlier as well, but, uh, you know, sometimes the best practicing is resting because <laughs> sometimes your you know, your body doesn't need another hour on the clarinet and needs, an hour of not clarinet and you can be undoing a lot of the good that you're doing by continuing to play. So it's just a little, uh, you know, and I think you would probably agree with me. You're nodding your head. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes people are just like, Oh, I, I only, you know, you said four to six hours earlier. It was like, Oh, I only practiced three hours today. But if you're in horrible pain and you got a bad attitude, you're not going to get anything done. You're going to be destructive and physically you're going to be destructive to yourself. So, um, sometimes the best hour you can spend is an hour relaxing. 
Absolutely. And also, I think it's very true that people learn in different ways and it takes people different amounts of time to process the same information. Um, I was talking to my sister who is a nurse and uh, she's also a cellist. She plays with her community orchestra. But uh, she reminded me that, you know, when studying for a big test, there's always different kinds of people that you see in the classroom. There's people that are like taking notes, highlighting things like they have to study for 10 hours to get an A on a test. And there's other people that may be able to just skim through it and take the same test and excel on it. And that's not a judgment of who is better. It's not a judgment of who is smarter. It's not a judgment of anything at all, except that people absorb and process information in different ways. And I think that the more that we can, um, the more that we can sit with ourselves and learn and self-study and realize what is best for ourselves in that learning process and honor that, um, the better that we'll be able to move through our lives and feel like we're getting things done and accomplishing things. And I also think right now, especially with COVID, it's completely valid to just want to take time for yourself too, to take a break from playing music. I know musicians that have decided not to continue their music careers during this time um, and to be a musician uh, in a different way that serves their overall health better. And I think that that's okay too. But it really starts with like self-study and yoga. It's like svadhyaya, self-study, learning what is true for you, um, how you best operate, what you need to succeed in your life, be it music or uh, with anything else. And the more that we increase our awareness and, and study the way that works best for us, I think the, the more we can avoid injury and honor our overall health. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, fantastic advice. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, so how do you, uh, this is going back to kind of like the business side of things, but how do you connect with people to find clients? Is it mainly through your Instagram, through your social media, or do you get a lot of referrals or through your website? Just curious. Uh, it's probably, I guess, mainly through social media. Um, people just kind of have a way of finding me. I think a lot of people find me through the podcast as well. Um, it just depends. And I think, uh, you know, I'm always just open to meeting people, to connecting with people and communicating with them. And, um, you know, you're always welcome to find me at the Align Musician on Instagram and send me a DM. That's me. I don't have a team and I answer all of the messages that I get and I try to help people as much as I can. It's true. That's how, uh, that's how I found her. I, she, she answered my yeah. message. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I also try to make myself available too for Zoom meetings. So if you ever just want to connect and like have a coffee or a tea one day and talk over Zoom, you can actually set up a time to connect through my website um, and just find a time to chat for like 15 minutes about anything uh, that's going on with you, with your musician's wellness journey, or if you just want to chat about yoga or breath work, I'm so passionate about, uh, these modalities that I could talk about them forever. And it's really exciting to meet other people that feel similarly, um, about musician's wellness stuff. So it's really cool. Well, super cool. And, and Kimberly, before you leave, um, I just 
I always give my guests a chance to just say whatever they want to say. If you have any shout outs or last words or any pieces of advice that you'd like to give. Oh my gosh. All right. Putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone always says. They're like, Oh, I don't, I didn't prepare this part. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, you know, I think that whatever you're going through right now, I know that life can be really challenging and that being a musician can be really challenging. Um, and it might sound cliche, but <laughs> the only thing that we can tell for sure is that change is inevitable. We don't know what's going to happen next year, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Uh, but as long as you are always listening to your body, listening to yourself, um, being discerning with whatever messages are going through your mind, if they're coming from a place of ego or if they're coming from a place of excitement or passion, um, just learning what it is that makes you happy, that fulfills you, that makes you more connected to yourself and moving in that direction. It's okay if you have to take a break from being a professional musician. It's okay if you pursue something else for a while. Um, giving yourself permission to do whatever it is you need to do to get through this time. And just knowing that as long as you're moving in a direction that honors you as an entire human being, I think it's all going to work out. Yeah, fantastic. So. Well, this has been one of my favorite episodes. So thank you so much, Kimberly, for joining me today. Uh, if you if you need to find her, she is uh, at the Align Musician on Instagram, and then AlignMusician.com, or is it the Align Musician.com? You already said the Aligned Musician. You got to get the D. That's what I have <laughs> as well. You got to get the D. Um, so thank you so much. Um, if you haven't had the chance already, be sure to stop by our website at Ken at CandidClarinetistPodcast.com, where you can find more information about myself, the podcast, and links to all of our content platforms. Once again, I am Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning in to the Candid Clarinetist Podcast. <laughs>